time for our journey to begin. So you want me to tell you the double duck story? Yeah. Hit that. Two thousand and nine. That year again. That year again. <laughs> Summer of two thousand and nine. We're gonna go see fish on the west coast. And uh, our plans were to leave Dallas. We had a room in Las Vegas. We had a room in San Francisco, and we had tickets to fish at the Gorge. And we were going to see fish in Shoreline, right outside of San Francisco as well. My lady and I. We were going to leave on Friday, and there was this wicked thunderstorm that happened out west. And so I said, let's wait till in the morning, and we'll just leave Saturday. We'll drive from here straight to the Grand Canyon. We'll sleep there, wake up, watch the sunrise over the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Then we're a couple hours from Vegas, go to our room there, and proceed. And lo and behold, if it didn't really work, it was great. Great trip. I think we... uh we like stopped in Lubbock, you know, or out there that way at the Cadillac Ranch. Mm-hmm. You know, just hitting all of your Route 66 highlights and pulled in, sure enough, to the Grand Canyon right about midnight. There was a burn going on in the canyon, you know, like a controlled burn. So yeah. there's this like smoky haze as we're driving up. To the south rim, because you kind of, you know, you exit off the highway, drive up. There's some cars, a few, you know, but we're not really seeing anybody, you know, rolling in. Evening, it's nice. There's a bathroom, you know, right there, like the parking lot of the south rim. We were driving the element, which we refer to as Ellie. You know, we laid the chairs back, caught a couple of Zs, had the alarm set. Got up while it was still completely pitch black, walked to this little viewing area, and we watched the sunrise over the Grand Canyon. It was amazing. 15, probably 15 other people ended up being out there. Most, if not all of them, were foreigners. Mm-hmm. Swedes. It's amazing. You would, If you looked at our pictures from then, like, we would see, you know, the German who has the really random leather strap. Like overall top, <laughs> short attachment, all leather, neon green t-shirt underneath it, nice. leather, Tom Landry hat. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, maybe 10 o'clock we decided to leave, if if that late, in the morning. So driving down out of the canyon, we hadn't been on 40 for very long. The speed limit right there is 80, so... I had just set the cruise control to 85. We went maybe a couple of miles and I'm passing an 18 wheeler pretty easily in the left-hand lane. And the way this is, this part of 40 is broken up is it's the two lanes that are going west or over here. And then there's kind of crevasse and the eastbound lanes are way over there. It's beyond the idea of a median. In fact, that highway is split around really hilly 
that terrain is insane. Yeah. Um, I see, and all of this happens in a couple of seconds, you know. I see something come up out of the median, clearly, like there was a pretty steep drop off on the left-hand side. As I see this thing kind of step up, and, uh, you know, my initial thought is that it's a dog or a deer, maybe, or something. I just notice it's an animal on four legs. And then I notice that there's another one behind us. See the second one. And as we get closer, I'm realizing that it's really large. But again, in that quick of a time, he, uh, I say he, whatever, the first one starts to run across the road, but not run across the road like a squirrel. I'm going to try to get across the road. He starts to run towards us. Um, And I say towards us because... I get past this 18-wheeler, and I'm moving over into the right-hand lane, and this thing, I mean, I am doing a full-on as big of a swerve as you can. It's trying to get in front of you. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, sure enough, he hits us square. In the front or, like, run into the side? In the front. We hit him squaw in the front. And you could not be trying to not hit a thing as much as I was at this point. And, I mean, I had taken off the brakes – I'd hit the brakes probably at some point, but, you know, the recognition of him being there and then the getting over, I didn't have time to slow down or if I would have, you know, we would have gone rolling. Yeah. And he hit and his back was one thing that I noticed his back was above the hood and we hit him full on. There's so many crazy things in the story, but there's a guy driving in a, and again, I think he was that very same German man driving in the suburban next to us. And he's looking over at me and he's doing this, like making his finger into a circle. Like I have a flat tire. Uh huh. And so I'm thinking that we're dragging whatever we hit, you know? And of course, all we're doing is trying to get to the side of the road and stop at this point. So it's not did like it, it didn't go over the car. Or it went under, under it. Okay. We get over to the side of the road and stop. And I am so pissed because I'm thinking that our vacation is ruined. But I look at Rish and I'm like, what the F was that? You know, did she see it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I think her initial thing was, are you okay? Because the only rational thing that had just happened was we hit a dog. And, you know, a big dog lover. Yeah. It's disturbing. But at no point was I ever like, oh, my gosh, I hit an animal at any point. And I don't think it had anything to do with me. I think it had to do with the fact that I was like, what the F was that? Yeah. Well, she gets out and decides that she's going to look and see the damage. We're expecting complete and total carnage. You know, she gets out and there's what? Could have been blood on the ground. It turned out it was not. It was fluid from the car. The engine is just pushed back in. You know, maybe like the compressor is pretty much shot. But there's fluid pouring out from under the car. Whatever it was tore up hoses and stuff underneath the car. Mm -hmm. I'm sure brake fluid, whatever. I get out and we really keep looking at each other like, what happened? Where is it? Notice that our license plate is gone. And I am, like I said, I'm super pissed. I'm like, you know, our huge vacation that we've been planning all this time. 
shot. You know, yeah. where am I going now? You know, you're going nowhere. Yeah. When the state trooper shows up, the interesting thing is uh, it was like 104 at 11 in the morning down there. And within like an hour, I think it was 114 was the high down there. And this is between Seligman and Kingman, Arizona, on Highway 40. And uh state trooper comes up, and the first thing I say to this guy is, have you had any reports of a chupacabra lately? And, of course, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> now, the one thing that I do have to tell everybody, couldn't have been more sober at this point. Could not. On anything. Yeah. Okay? Anything. Couldn't have been. You know, we told him what happened. We hit this thing, and he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go back here, try to find your license, and make sure there's nothing in the road. You would think that if this happened in front of an 18-wheeler, I don't understand how that thing didn't hit us. I don't understand how there wasn't other cars that were affected. I don't know how any of that happened. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, the pictures that we have of the car... You can clearly see other cars coming down the highway. I mean, it wasn't like we were out there all on our own. Like I said, there are a lot of people that are doing this Route 66 drive. The only way that I can describe this animal, the best way that I know how, as far as the way that it just looked, it looked like a hyena. Except it was tall. And when I say tall, I mean tall, top of my hood, that element. Yeah. Which is about... My waist high. So, I mean, there are dogs that are that kind of can get to that high. Kind of. Yeah, like a Great Dane or something. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a Great Dane. It had shaggy hair with that, like, light brown and then dark brown spotting, like a hyena. It had, like, fruff around its neck, like fur, scruffy. And then came in on a really compact face. Its face didn't seem like it was big enough for its body in a lot of ways. And it ran, it moved like a deer, like in that it almost pranced. Yeah. I mean to tell you the thing meant to hit us. I don't know how else to tell you that, you know, you've seen an animal. They were on the highway. They both came up out of the median and this one ran in front of our car. And I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah, well, but that's what happened. It didn't. Um, the other one looked the same. Yeah, as far as I could tell. As yeah. far as I could tell. I mean, I knew that there were two of them, and yeah, they, yeah, they were the same thing. So this guy, the state trooper, he comes back and he's like, "You know, what do you think you hit? Because uh, you know, there's nothing in the road." And I was like, "Man, I'm telling you, I'm from East Texas. Been in the woods all my life. Been hunting. I've seen javelina. I've seen wild hogs." I've seen deer of all different shapes and sizes, elk, you know, I've been in Alaska. I've seen timber wolves in the wild. I've seen grizzlies in the wild and I've never seen anything like this before in my life. It's like, if it was a dog, it's the biggest dog I've ever seen. And I don't know what type of a breed it is. I guess yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else. To... He was like, that's weird. You know, like he still doesn't know if I'm all right. You yeah. Know? And I'm, sh- I'm sure I'm as keyed up as you can be. He was like, are you sure it happened here? He didn't even, he thought maybe, I was like, dude, we hit this thing and we, we couldn't go any further. You know, we had to stop. There was no, I mean. How, I mean, how far do you think between when you hit it to where you stopped? I mean, 
maybe three quarters of a mile to okay. stop from 80 to. Yeah. Well, you pulled over immediately. Oh, yeah. 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 There was no not pulling over. I mean, you could, you know, immediately like steam coming out of the engine, you know, all of your lights and your everything was sh- shot. Yeah. You know, again, why I thought everything was ruined. Did not seem like it was a situation that was fixable. It was way more on the line, along the lines of, you know, totaled. Yeah. You know, for one, for just the impact that it had for something that big. But the weird thing is, is that when you looked at the car, it didn't look like, you know, if you hit a white tail, I don't care what kind of truck you're driving, you know, it smashes you. Yeah. Unless you have some sort of a cattle guard or whatever on the front of your truck. You know, you're going to get a shot and a lot of times you're going to kick it up and it's going to hit your windshield. I mean, nine times out of ten, that's what happens. Yeah. The fact that I saw the back of this thing over the hood and it went under the car is weird enough as it is. You know, the physics of what it did. And honestly, as we would see later, there was hair on the outside of the driver's front tire and the back passenger tire. And so what I think happened was we hit it. He went under and like kind of did a complete sweep under, went out the side somehow. But still, we got him with that back tire. Yeah. But, dude, he wouldn't be walking from it. Or there should be some signs of a collision. State trooper can't find him. Can't find signs of a struggle. Can't find our license plate. And we're out there for a long time because he calls a wrecker. He's like, you know. I'm supposed to tell you to call a wrecker from Seligman because that's technically where I'm coming from. But I know a guy in Kingman and I know those guys at that place. And that's where I I would take you. You know, that's where you should go. So this guy comes in this tow truck and picks us up. And we actually rode in the element on the back of his tow truck Uh while he drove us to Kingman. Probably 20 miles. And it just progressively looks more like you know the ends of the earth out there yeah especially in the middle of the summer that's when we really started to talk about it what had happened and i realized risha the last exit that i can remember in my head seeing us passing before it happened was devil dog road and we're like what (laughs) and you know we really try to spin it to the positive of, hey, maybe we weren't supposed to be in Las Vegas tonight. Maybe something bad was going to happen. So it's probably best, you know, that we're not there. We end up being cool with it. I guess as best as you can be. We get pull into Kingman, this little gas station, service station. And this guy comes out and he looks like he's been, I mean, he could be 60 or he could be 140. You yeah. know, he's been in the Arizona desert and he's got the Samuel Jackson cigarette dangling from his mouth. And he's just kind of looking at the car and he's like, what'd you hit? Did you hit a deer? I was like, no, sir. He goes and gets his little cart that he's going to lay down on and go under the car. And he'd stick his head out and he'd be like, was it a coyote? No, sir. Was it a hog? <laughs> no, sir. You know, I'm kind of, as he's under there relaying how odd this whole thing is. You know, how weird yeah. it was and how unnatural whatever I saw was. He goes, yeah, there's a giant pole with a magnet on the top of it that just spins around and it just draws people into Kingman, Arizona. 
And as he's saying all this, I'm looking over my shoulder like, what are you talking about? And I realize he's just a weirdo. Yeah. And uh, we're in Kingman for three days. They fix the car. It ends up only costing us like 650 bucks. They really like just pulled the engine out and replaced the compressor. But all underneath the car, every little hose and wire that you have underneath there was ripped up. And this almost like cat hair, that was the weirdest thing, was on the tire, like super fine and white. I tried to bring some of it home, but Risha wouldn't have it. Didn't She's want like, it. we're not taking any of that with us. Did you ever talk to anybody down there that acted like they knew what you were talking about? No, the only thing was that the state trooper said when I was describing how big it was and that I didn't know what it was, he said that we've had something that's killed a couple of horses out here. So I was like, that's your man right there. Whatever just ran out in front of me hit. Yeah, it could kill horses. Yeah. If, I mean, and if you're thinking about the Mustangs that they have out there, these two things could down one. Yeah. Like in a pack situation, the two of them could. But I don't know what else could kill a horse. The interesting thing is, is we skip Vegas altogether. We make it to San Francisco. You know, we do San Francisco all day. We go to the show that night. We meet some super cool people. We hang out in the lot till they kick us out. And then we just get in the car and drive to Weed, California, and pass out for a day and then drive on up and make our trip back. And we had been back a day or two. It may have been my first day back at work. And, you know, I'm working the morning show, sitting in that room. And I get a Gmail chat from Risha, and she's like, take a look at this whenever you get a chance. And it's from, uh, it's a Google document of this book called Weird Arizona. And it's about Highway 666. On Interstate 40, there's this uh, almost like a U that comes off of 40, and parts of it go to Utah. I want to say several hundred miles in various directions of this portion of Route 66 used to be named Highway 666, mm-hmm. which is weird that that would even be a thing. You would think yeah. that they would not, that they would change that long ago. There's a lot of crazy trucker stories about Highway 666, and it's like, you know, the girl on the side of the highway that gets into the truck that isn't really there. Also, much more sinister things happen along this highway. Truckers, residents, travelers on the highway report hellhounds, giant beasts with yellow eyes, fangs that look to impede people traveling the highway, mm-hmm. causing them to crash, or in some cases, showing up in the back of their vehicle, attempting to steal their souls. These have been attributed to the skinwalkers. Sure. The Navajo traditions of the area. And I nearly about asked myself Do they have any, like, pictures of what they... People thought they saw? No, but it's funny. Like, I Googled Devil Dog Road, you know, and see some things that come up with that. And, yeah, there's drawings or whatever of these hellhounds. But but ever since I've read that, well, I mean, I knew when it happened that something weird had happened. Then the fact that it was Devil Dog Road was weird enough to me, you know? Yeah. But then reading this and then the whole Skinwalker motif made it sound uh, plausible because... Again, it didn't look like an animal. 
but it was an animal. Or, you know what? <laughs> it's really funny. Um, you seen The Hobbit? Yeah. You know the animals that the orcs are riding around on? I want to say that in that setting, they're called wargs. Yes. Which is weird because in Game of Thrones, the warg is the person who takes over the animal body. Yeah. Which, think about that, that's weird enough. It's almost like skinwalkering. Like Bran is skinwalking. Right. Because, I mean, if he was the dire wolf that chewed that dude up, that's what that's what it looked like. Except it's not. it wasn't like that beefy in the front. You know, when those orcs are riding them, yeah. they look, but the way that they look, they're that feature, that coloring is the same. The way that the ears were pointy. Yeah. It's almost like if you take different dog features and overlay them, that's what it looked like. You know, it's like. Yeah. The, well, yeah. The hyena sounds, I mean, I get it, but bigger. And I also think of like a hog or something like that, like a, like a, a wild boar. Yeah. Now, see, I've been in a tree stand in East Texas, and this is one thing that a lot of people this blows blows minds that this is this really happens out in the woods. But been in a tree stand with nothing but God underneath me, and had and a, a buddy of mine a couple of trees over, and a pack of hogs come through. Number one, it sounds like a pack of orcs is coming through the woods. There's no trying to hide that they're there. The other thing is they have really crazy colorings. Um, They have hair that sticks out of places that you wouldn't think a hog would. It's like just as much like it looks like baboons are coming through. If you just see their backs, you know, moving through. They're real beastly is the the best way to describe it. And this thing was every bit as beastly, but it was tall and slender. And none of the animals that reach tall and slender status that are canines you know they're all clean and you know defined lines you think about the greyhounds and you think about the way that they look yeah there aren't um they're stripped down breeds you know to where they just have what they need this thing was like a mismatch yeah and that i'm i'm glad i remembered the warg thing because i was trying to think of that earlier yeah that's wild it's a good story i wish you could have seen did you drive back by that place on your way out yeah, you know what? We uh, something really weird happened. A few months later, we were back in Las Vegas to drive to California to go to Indio. We ended up picking these people up because they couldn't get their RV. They came with us. We had been telling them the story, you know, about the last time we were out here. Somehow, their GPS sent us to exit on the highway at Kingman where we got our car fixed, you know, which completely freaked these people out. But we also, we got married at the gorge a few years after that. When we came back the other way, we looked for devil dog road and we found it. And the crazy thing is, is it just that how that territory, nothing looks the same ever, you know, like you could turn around a few times and it's really just crazy. There was at the sign for devil dog road, right? Like, we exited, pulled up to the stop sign where the green sign stood. Should you not? There's a shirt and jeans on the ground next to that pole. <laughs> like someone had just skinwalked on out of there. <laughs> not kidding. Fact. That's amazing. I just, uh, that's, that's incredible to me that 
that trooper couldn't find any sign of what happened. Because you'd think that thing would be on the side of the road or or whatever. But It's really crazy, too, that when we were leaving the canyon that morning, we stopped at the uh, like one of the stores. There's this statue of this bear. It's like a wood statue of this bear. And I took a picture of that bear. And as I'm walking up to the car, for some reason, I stopped. And Risha's in the car. And I took a picture of the element straight on, like straight at the hood. Mm-hmm. And the next picture we took of the element was after the accident, straight up of the hood. So it's so, I mean, and they're time stamped. You know, you could see yeah. just a few, you know, hour or so later or whatever. I don't know why this stuff always happens to me. Your magnet for it. Your pole with magnets on top of it. That's right. What was that? <laughs> but that's all I could think about when we were in Kingman a few months later. The second and time? We're literally, yeah. literally, the GPS is making us go in a circle. Like, <laughs> you exit, you know, and then you try to get back on the highway. But it's like we were doing a circle. Yeah. And this is for Halloween that we're going out to Indio. And I just set off the weekend really nicely. But... <laughs> Wow. I hear a phone. Phone is ringing. Probably yours. Time to go. Okay, go. Okay, talk. There's dramatic forces out there. I can't prove this. But uh, if anybody was taken over by a demon, it had to be him. Yeah. Uh, hey, can I ask I you... Can I? You sound like a really opinionated guy. Can I ask you an unrelated question? Go ahead. Um, wh- what are your thoughts about Bigfoot? What am I talking about? What? What are your thoughts about Bigfoot? Bigfoot, the creature. Yeah, the creature. I think it exists. Yeah. I know aliens exist. I was in the military. I tracked something in 1969 going off the coast of California, 500 knots under the ocean. There's nothing in this world that can do that. Yeah. But yet they say, oh, we don't have UFOs. There's UFOs, and there's spacemen, and there's life from other worlds. It I know. Yeah. You, do you think... Uh, you you take your pension away, <laughs> the government... So nobody can talk. Yeah. Do you think uh, Do you think Bigfoot's alien related, or do you think it's just like a, a an ape species or whatever? I don't know. I have no idea. But there's this other thing that they call a chupacaner. Chupacaner. It's some kind of flying thing that can fly 60 miles an hour and pick up a cow. Now I think what happened there. I think one of these space guys came down to Earth. And one of their pets got away. It makes sense to me. You don't think they have pets and stuff from other planets? Oh, yeah, for it's sure. Me. I believe that it's, uh, it's weird. It's in Brazil where it's doing all the damage. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I do, I do believe in that. I believe that there is life from other worlds. And there's creatures from other planets that we even see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I totally agree, man.
and this just in from Taos County. An Arroyo Hondo man says he had a terrifying encounter with a creature many refer to as Sasquatch. 67-year-old Arturo Martinez says he and a friend were scouting for elk in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains when they found tops of aspen trees up to 8 inches in diameter broken and strewn across the road, with no tracks, human or animal, nearby. The pair also spotted two large aspen trees completely uprooted, something he says he couldn't attribute to bears or elk. Martinez says it's as if something or someone wanted to say nobody is welcome here. He did says shortly after a blowout a little farther up the road, they heard a noise that resembled an elk mixed with a roar, and more trees were broken and thrown in their direction. And it's at that time they spotted a creature he says is the mythical Bigfoot. Martinez described it as seven to eight feet tall with dark fur, following them along the tree line as they retreated to their vehicle. The two stayed until morning to further investigate the area, and despite finding more broken trees and what he calls a, quote, deathly quiet, nothing else was out of the ordinary. Martinez says he's now convinced the Sasquatch exists and will be bringing a camera and audio recorder with him into the mountains from now on. Welcome to OK Talk, the Wood Ape Report. My name is Clint. In this episode, I explain to my co-host Matt why I think that this could be the year that the mystery of Bigfoot could be solved. Or should I say the character formerly known as Bigfoot? Because it was a change in his name that really changed the way that I viewed the subject, as odd as that may be. OK Talk would like to issue a small disclaimer and apology Unlike Brian Williams, any mistakes made in this report were done unintentionally. And I'm sorry, I can't divulge what phase the moon was in when we recorded this episode. Can't divulge it because I'm not really sure. I think whether or not you've been squatching your balls off for 25 years or if you really just decided to look into Bigfoot yesterday, think you can get something from this sit back relax stand up and get agitated i really don't care how you listen thanks for listening to okay talk okay talk okay talk back in action yes been far too long after a slight hiatus what's going on man What's the deal with Bigfoot? <laughs> the, world. <clears throat> the world has changed. So tell me about Stinchfield, mm-hmm. the radio host with whom you work, mm-hmm. and his trip to Oklahoma and what he said to you. <laughs> he said, uh, so he was up in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and... uh when he told me that, I said to him, well, that's, that's Squatch country. And he said, oh, yeah. They're, they had signs everywhere. They had little uh, cutouts, like silhouette cutouts of Sasquatch walking about in the, uh, in the woods. Uh, they had, you know, stores that would sell dog tags and little memorabilia, things like that. Uh, so the Squatching community is 
pretty active up there. Now, he did not say that he saw anything, although he did uh, He did say there were some nights when he kept his his ears open late in the night to see if uh, anything happened. I was upset that he did not try any sort of calls or anything like that. I said, next time you got you go up there, you gotta you gotta give that a shot. But uh, uh, he was he was interested in the amount of of I guess interest in the the active community going on up there. Uh, I was just googling here to try to see Broken Bow. That's definitely eastern part of the state. I believe so. Yeah, he's not a stranger to the Squatch. He uh, when he worked in. TV in Florida, he did a news report on the Swamp Ape. The Skunk Ape. The Skunk Ape, yes. Right. Uh, and so he was, uh, he's was. he got at least a passing interest in the, in the subject. And also, I think he did a story on the Chupacabra here in Texas. So uh, we, we have been talking about Sasquatch on and off for the last several days. Uh, is he talking about this on the air? We did. We've, we've talked about it on the air a couple times, yeah. Did you get caller response? Uh, we didn't really ask for it, but we it was one of our segments where we just sort of shoot the S. Right. And that, so it's come up a couple of times. I've pressed the issue a few times, and we've we've derailed conversation onto, onto Bigfoot topics. Did you reach out to anyone? I have, yeah. And uh, so far they've remained elusive, as elusive as Bigfoot himself. But uh, I'm still pressing that, you know. I don't want the uh, I don't want the fervor to die, so I, I would like to try to get somebody on soon. But who did you try to get in touch with? Uh, well, I reached out to the 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 North American Wood Ape Conservatory, yeah, or whatever they call themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've reached out to them, and I believe there were some people down in Houston, or I guess in the Beaumont area, that uh, were on some KHOU stories about about Bigfoot, about being attacked. And uh, so I've I've reached out to them as well. And so far, I, nothing has really come back. Any luck with that discovery contact? Oh, no, I haven't really, I haven't really pursued that all that much. Um, yeah, I, I actually yeah. watched. Um, I, I've seen that. Uh, you're talking about the Survivor Man show? Right, the new ones. Yeah, I watched a little bit of the episode. Uh, I want to say, well, I don't want to date this, but it was a few days ago. So like the beginning of the myth where he's in, he's either in California. He was in California. One of them. Yeah, yeah, he was in California. That one's actually pretty good. And I think I told you that I read that the sixth one, he's in the big thicket, mm-hmm. Sam Houston National Forest area. Mm-hmm. So have you listened to any of that, the Bigfoot show, any of that Area X stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to kill Bigfoot this year. They're going to get, they're going to get him. I really do. I really do. What what has led you to that conclusion? First of all, with the amount of crap that is out there about Bigfoot, it's very, very difficult to take anything at face value. As in hoaxes, you mean? Um, yeah, hoaxes yeah. or just people BSing or not even really meaning to be hoaxful. But yeah, I think there's a ton of misidentification that occurs. Right. And there's definitely, it's really crazy. It's one, it's a fascinating, fascinating subculture, the culture around Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever. Yeah. I uh, would say that the number one reason why I think that they're legitimate is because they changed their name. 
Like, I think that's the most genius thing that you could do because it used to be the Texas Bigfoot Research mm-hmm. Organization or Conservancy. And they changed it to North American Wood Ape Conservancy. To to get away from the, the yeah, hype a little bit. Exactly. And there's a little description of that on the website. Yeah. Obviously, they could all be pulling our legs. Mm-hmm. But I actually believe these people. I mean, there's people on there that I don't know personally, but uh, they're either all pulling a bit or it's there. And for the longest time, I kind of felt like there was so much bullsh that I didn't know what to believe. So I kind of quit believing anything. I think we may have even discussed that. It's very, I mean... As far as unexplained things go or unproven things go, it is one of the more difficult ones to believe in. Not not necessarily because it's out of the realm of possibility, but just the fact that there seems to be so many people looking and you've really found what amounts to almost nothing as far as hard proof. Um, and there, you know, who knows the reasons behind that? I'd be curious to know what you think maybe the reasons are behind that, that we have, that it has been so long. I mean, obviously there's the question of scale. I mean, there, there is quite a lot of land out there that we just, we don't, I guess we don't realize exactly how much unexplored or, uh, underexplored land there is. Okay. Even in our backyard. So let's do this. So let's, let's take it from a really basic evaluation of the situation yeah let's start with evidence found at some point you would think that the idea of there being a wild man hairy creature Mm -hmm. all the way back to the description of the troglodytes in greek mythology Mm -hmm. there's on pretty much every continent through recorded human history there's some mention of this thing yeah There's also the Native American aspect of people who live on vast expanses of land that are largely undeveloped, that they pretty much don't doubt that it exists. They know it does. Yeah. And, you know, they hold it sort of in that mythical or godlike kind of reality. But, you know, there's cave drawings with the hairy man and, you know, to scale. If this was anything else and we had this much eyewitness encounters, Mm -hmm. one of the early people in Bigfoot research said, you know, of all the thousands and and thousands of accounts that there have been, not all of them have to be correct. Only one of them has to be right for this to be a true cryptid to exist. The sheer number of accounts of people being like, hey. You know, I saw something, I saw this, saw that. Yeah, yeah. Heard something, heard this. I guess the interesting thing is, the thing that turned me was uh, being from East Texas and looking into the forest, which I grew up around, so I didn't really understand that, you know, that wasn't the way that it was all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, And seeing how difficult it would be to track or follow something. I really think just like looking at geography, our society kind of enjoys thinking that it knows everything, you know, and taking away as many mysteries as possible. 
I don't think there is as many people that are out looking for it as you would think. There are people that go out to areas and do stupid shit, and there's a television show about it that's really popular, but I don't think that any of those people, even if they're in an area where there may be some, and I do believe that there are family groups, essentially, I think that's a possibility, and I think that's a real possibility in this Oklahoma area because they've seen everything from basically baby chimps to eight and a half foot, the Patterson Gimlin film size, Bigfoot to everything in between. And I really just think that that's what it is. I think it's a, an unidentified ape species that has managed to evade. Yeah. Well, and the question that I think comes up so often is you'd think at some point for something that large, uh, you think it's, and, and I mean, maybe there's not a whole lot of people looking for it, but there are at least a, a fair number of people looking in certain areas. <laughs> and you'd think at some point, uh, the, the question is always, where's the body? Right. And I guess the conclusion that I have come to, at least in, in a way to try to explain it, is there could be some sort of uh, primitive culture going on where, you know, if, if one of these creatures dies, maybe they maybe they bury it. Th- maybe they take it away. You know, I you, you never know. And so it's not like an animal which will die and, and stay there. If they have some sort of family unit, then there may be a very real possibility that if one of the family members dies, they take what's left away. Yeah, it's interesting. That movie exists kind of shows that. True, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's it's a thought that I, that uh, had sort of creeped into my head, and then and yeah, watching that movie, you think, well, yeah, that's that's a real possibility. If you want to if you want to say that these are some sort of, because I I, you know, I don't know a whole lot about ape culture, but I know that there are family units and there are they they do things that you would not necessarily expect animals to do. Um, but there uh, are things that you may associate more with with human behavior. Right, extremely intelligent. Yeah, they use scouts. Yeah. Chimpanzees are famous for that. And I think that that's a whole lot of it. And if they're just moderately intelligent, then then they might have the ability to know when someone's out there and they can hide. Oh, yeah. Or they have very elaborate hiding places. Again, that's what I I assume to be with, one, the scout angle of it, and two, the fact that a lot of these places where they're – you can't get to. Mm Mm-hmm. In the middle of the swamp, in the middle of the forest, in the middle of nowhere, where if you do try to traverse these areas, you know, you have a thousand dangers on your side. And I think that that's something that people lose sight of is just how dense and thick a lot of this, a lot of these places where all these sightings occur are. And, but here's the other thing. And this is, this is the thing that's really kind of flipped my lid a little bit. There are some that will tell you that we're well aware that they exist, that, you know, the government knows that they exist. Some people say that the reason that it's kind of kept hush hush is because uh, what would it do to the recreational aspect of camping, forest, hunting, all of that, if there was an animal that was Let's face it, we both worked in Dallas when a silverback gorilla escaped at the zoo. Yeah. And it was complete and total chaos what this thing was doing around people. Yeah. 
I think the idea them being sold to the public as the Harry and the Hendersons gentle giant kind of thing is funny because I think, number one, it cartoons the whole truth about it. But two, if it's honestly just a wild animal, but it can be, you know, five to eight hundred pounds and it's six to eight feet on average and it's an ape. You know, the joke about like fighting a chimpanzee, you know, like they'll rip your face off. If that's the case, right? So they know that it's just like it's squashed because it would cause chaos. It's the idea of, yeah, we know aliens exist. How do we break to the public that aliens exist? Because if we break that aliens exist, you know, human religion and culture will. It throws everything into chaos. Everything, especially in a nation that steeps itself in, hey, we're a Christian nation, da, 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 da. I mean, now that we have the Pope coming out and saying it's okay that there would be aliens, we would yeah. think that there would be aliens. It still freaks people to flip out, and I could see it being a lot like that. I think, to be fair, though, I mean, there are so many things in the woods that we know of that you should be scared of. There are bears. There True. are mountain lions. There are things that legitimately will kill you out there. And I think that grizzly bears keep me out of the forest yeah. in Alaska, yeah. right? Well, there is something different, though, I guess. It's maybe that uncanny valley thing where it's like, this thing is looks like a human, and it's but it's not. And so you look at a bear, that's a different species. You look at a mountain lion, that's a, that's a big cat. We understand that. Something out there that walks around on two legs and looks like a human but might also be intelligent, that's, I mean, if, if anything, that's just creepy. Well, and I think that this is, again, a thing where we don't we didn't grow up around monkeys. Yeah, we didn't grow up around apes. We're not in a place where there are deciduous monkeys in the area. But the other thing is. And I think that this may be brought up on that Les Stroud show or that he spoke about it this week somewhere. That one of the reasons why it's squashed and kept under wraps is because if. It was an animal that conservation would kick in. It would completely shut down fracking, all of that mining, Mm -hmm. you know, of habitat. And that that's all that it's taking to keep it under wraps is the moneyed interest in that, which makes sense. Yeah. Mainly because I work with people who (laughs) are very interested in fracking. And their whole bit is they're against some damn sand dune lizard out in West Texas that's keeping them from fracking an area. You know how long it took Jane Goodall to even get around them. Yeah. You know, again, immersion is one of the things that I think is going to end up solving this issue. Because you, let's say me and you, we want to go ghost hunting, right? So we go and we call your friend and he meets us downtown and he takes us by some places that are spooky. Yeah. Or we go to a hotel and, you know, it's a haunted hotel and we get some really crazy action, right? And it's a one-night thing and we're out. Well, let's say we want to go look for Bigfoot this weekend and we drive up to – or we drive down to the Sam Houston National Forest and we go out. And we're out two days camping. And nothing happens. Yeah. We're going to go home. You yeah, know, we're, we're not going to go home. We're, yeah, we don't we can't invest the time and we're not. And if, if it's if they really are skittish of, of humans, then some two lumbering idiots walking into the woods with a tent 
Like we're gonna, we're just gonna scare everything away and completely camouflaged. Yeah, totally adept at disappearing, and have the, you know, the environment for it. <clears throat> now, what I think is interesting with these people, they've been going to this area for you know, at least let's say at least since two thousand and eight. And doing like camera traps and stuff. I think I know for a fact it started before them, but they set up an operation and they did all these things with camera traps that where they would leave them out there and then they would go back. And then they finally figured out that it's basically like a needle in a haystack. Is there a way that maybe these cameras create some kind of a sound? Animals certainly hear it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's why they will hear it. And that that's why they avoid it. Yeah. Because they basically have said it's. The equivalent of like repellent Mm -hmm. that we put these things up and we know we get activity. Then we put these things up and they do not come around. So there's some kind of a correlation there. But they moved away from that and basically said we're going to put people on the ground the entire summer. There's not going to be a day when somebody's not there. And so let's say that they've been out there since 2000. Well, it wasn't until... Two years ago, that somebody that was in the group actually had a sighting. And then there were like 18 other people, not 18 separate, but let's say 18 other occasions that they definitely had a sighting. And then another whole 18 over those three month periods where they're pretty sure they saw one. They just weren't saying, Mm -hmm. oh, we definitely saw one. But the other ones, it's like, oh, we saw them from full on to. You know, legs scissoring, running up the mountain. This, along with the rocks being thrown at the cabins, the wood knocking and the whoops growling. And so over this amount of time, they've all of a sudden got to where now they think that these things are really curious about their being there. And they're learning how these things are reacting from the idea that, let's say that they have a century or two that are watching a group that they get a possible visual or they're going to a certain area, they will throw a rock behind them so that they turn and look to distract them. Yeah. And it took them like a summer to figure out that that's what they're doing on purpose. Yeah. Distracting us. So now we know that's a tactic that they use, which is a tactic that chimpanzees use. So they're collecting all this data after all this time, it's starting to pay off. It's one of those things where it's like, who is sitting and giving a decade in the field to this thing? I don't know that it's ever been done. I mean, Probably yeah, not. people have chased reports. But again, if you're, you know, one of the early Bigfoot hunters, you know, and you're waiting on a call for somebody to say, hey, I saw something up in the woods. And by the time you get up there and then it's, it's gone. Yeah, right. It's long gone. If you, for whatever reason, have found an area that these things seem to, and they've said that, you know, there could be a time when they go and they're not there anymore, but that hadn't happened yet. Yeah. And again, to the fact that where it's ramped up. So if they're to be believed, then they nearly shot one. Well, that's, that's, then that's my next question is what happens when you do shoot one, not from a cultural perspective, but like. Doesn't all that work go out the window if you shoot and kill one of them? Obviously, the the benefits of having an actual specimen 
to look at probably outweigh any of that. So there's two different theories here too. One, you got to have uh you got to have the specimen for it to be taken seriously and for conservancy to begin because their argument is the habitat is completely encroached upon all the time. Mm-hmm. And unless we get to a point where we're going to you know basically set up preserves then it's going to go away at some point. So that's the hastiness of let's we've got to get a body to prove that it's going to happen. And if we don't get a body, but science somehow figures out that there is in fact this, that's the first thing they're going to do is get a body. That's it's going to happen. Yeah. I know people hate to hear it, but it's going to happen. I would want to be the one that does it. They actually have like a tarp that they're taking out into the field to cover it up because they are worried about what will happen if, they, when, if the other ones come down on it and and see what's happening. Yeah. yeah. The other interesting thing about this that blows me away is the idea that these things are in trees and climb trees, which I don't know why that would seem so asinine, but that's not the way that we were taught the Bigfoot rolled. No, they're lumbering creatures that run around on the ground. Big lumbering, solo, mostly at night. Yeah. None of that's the case. None of it at all. Again, if any of this research is to be believed, they've seen them in trees. And it makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't they climb right. trees? And the fascinating thing is the idea that they climb trees to one look at an area to oversee an area and then two to throw rocks. Well, chimpanzees put rocks in their mouth and then climb trees Mm -hmm. and then throw them. Why wouldn't these things? Again, if it's just an ape and you take all the magic out of it. And I think the idea that it was more human than ape kind of started as we began to discover America. When we come across these things and all of a sudden it throws the narrative of humans Mm -hmm. We're man. We're rulers of the of the place. Yeah. There's no when you threw the idea that there was some way, shape, or form that they would be directly related to us. I think it put a lot of that taboo in it. Again, the, think about the way that Darwin was received and is received the idea of evolution. But I don't think that that's I don't think that's the thing. I don't think they're part human. I I don't. No, they're just they're an ape an ape species, and there's no reason to believe that that couldn't exist. You're right. The the mythical part of it comes in the form of this thing is nearly human. You you could almost imagine having, well, you know, Harry and the Hendersons, you could almost imagine having a relationship with it, a, a genuine relationship and not just sort of a, uh, you know, a scientific relationship. Right. And if you reclassify it as these things are related to chimps, these things are related to gorillas, you know, or these, these things are related to orangutans it starts to take on a different form <clears throat> yeah that it's just uh that again it traversed the land bridge that existed between asia and alaska before sarah palin was there mm-hmm. when it was actually they were you know two things russia and, <laughs> and alaska were one and that it migrated down here if you put like the evolutionary spin on things it makes sense now Here's something else. The Big Thicket National Forest, the area of the Big Thicket. During the Ice Age, right, the glaciers come down. 
covering nor- more and more of North America. It pushed all of the flora and fauna south. And again, you have all the rivers that are flowing into the Gulf from all angles in the country, right? Mm-hmm. So in the Big Thicket National Forest, four out of the five carnivorous plants in the world are found there. All of the orchids in the world are found there. You'll have almost every kind of tree that you can think of, from oak to cedar to pine, and there are roadrunners running around. It's a Jurassic Park of sorts. Yeah. Again. Things being pushed south. Yeah. All of these things escaping the Ice Age. The idea that the thing was in Texas blows people away because they don't understand the topography of of that area. There are people in Texas that don't know that we have Big Bend, you know, that we have a 9,000-foot peak down south. Now, I don't know if the ones that exist in Northern California, do they know that there's ones in Texas? I don't I don't necessarily think that's true. I think that you have these cases where people have one seem really aggressive or they meet up with one and there's one around their house or there's one around a dumpster area and there's one that's like freaking people out. I mean, all of those people can't be lying. I think at some yeah. point these these things have effed with people. <laughs> It would make perfect sense, again, that if they come from groups or packs or herds or whatever you want to call it, that males, just like in lion prides or whatever, that challenge an older male for dominance Mm -hmm. that gets denied, you know, gets beat down. I think that probably the lone ones are the ones to be the most afraid of because, again, it's a lone, you know, it's a loner looking for food, doesn't have the protection of the group, probably takes more chances. Right. And I think that that's probably uh, responsible for a lot of what people run across, especially the, you know, the spookier, you know, kind of scary stuff. I don't think that there's honestly the the idea that the dude saw four little ones running and again, all in a straight line and running like chimps that he saw the backs and they were all little. Uh-huh. And they're black as night, and he just saw them from behind running down a creek bed. Indicates that they have a pretty good breeding population. As long as the area is there, I don't know how much, you know, like how much area do they need yeah. per. How much are these people doing to capture this stuff on film? It's funny because. Or is it more about getting a body? Well, yeah, it's. Now it's 100% about getting a body because the camera traps in the woods, the forest vigil, as it was called, nothing. Now. But even just having a camera on them at all times. Right. Here's the way that it's explained. Dude, if you're walking through this area, you've got a rifle at your just the down position ready. And going back to the idea that they're supernatural. I've heard people from that group describe them that if you were to see the way that it is that they the speed with which and the smoothness with which it tore through forest like it wasn't there described like they were on a like a bungee cord going up a mountain. Mm -hmm. Okay, seems supernatural, like could completely believe why someone would take away that they were like. Supernatural because of how fast they are, 
and how unaffected they are by traveling through what to us would just be like we couldn't even make it, you know, skin getting torn up and thorns and vines and holes in the ground. Because of that, very difficult to be in a position where you see one cross a path in front of you, one, one thousand, two, one thousand gone. Yeah. To guys saying the guy that tried to shoot one, that pulled the trigger on one, always busted everybody else's balls about why didn't you shoot it? Why didn't you shoot it? And and now understands, you know, hey, I saw one. Honestly, I thought it was one of the people that was with us because it is such a mind F to see an upright walking creature that is kind of camouflaged that if you have other people that are in your group that are camouflaged mm-hmm. for you to think if you that, put to pull the trigger on that, yeah, that there's somebody downrange, yeah. how, you know, even if I was 100% sure then, and I knew it was going to step within this five foot area in the trees and I had two seconds. I don't know that I could again, because I've got people downrange and you've got a process in your head how, and the same thing with the cameras. They're not running around with cameras. Yeah. It happens at oddest of times. And they don't know what else to say other than these things will throw rocks at us. We'll get up out of our bunks, walk out to the front of the cabin, and they're completely quiet or they're gone. Yeah. They're just not there. The ninja of the forest thing really applies. I mean, they can step next to a tree and you don't see them. One of the dudes is telling a story about how he looked in an area and there were like three huge logs in there. And then they look later and there was just one. And they totally think that they like went all (laughs) limp on them, you know, and like, yeah, at a glance in that thick foliage late in the evening, it looked like trees, down trees. And again, the, this will be interesting. The next time that you're in East Texas. Just look into the tree line and see how far you can see. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're talking about feet. Yeah. Maximum. Yeah. Maximum on the uh, how are they here and how are they surviving and everything. You know, food source, plentiful. We're talking about feral hogs in Texas alone. I mean, just Mm -hmm. everywhere. Everywhere. And they multiply like rats. You know, if you get a pack of hogs in your area and, you know, they go into rut, like it's over. Yeah. (laughs) They will create as many of them as they can and then let God sort them out, you know, and they'll eat anything. And they, so the idea that they, well, what do they eat or horses? Yeah. There's plenty of deer. There's, you know, I mean, good Lord, there's plenty of deer. And that's never been the, you know, that's never been the question for me. Uh, and the the amount of them has never been the question. You know, uh, I'm sure a relatively small population can survive. Um, I've heard the number of thousands thrown out there, but I don't think it has to be that many. Now, I'm, I'm speaking from just laymen, but, you know, I, I'm sure it doesn't have to be thousands of them. The, the the question that always remains for me is yes they live in the forest but at some point they had to they had to test the boundaries of that right so you know how were they how how have more people 
not come in contact with on the boundaries of the forest? How have more? How have they not been hit by a car? How have they? How is? How have things like that? What if they have been hit by cars? What if fish and game show up? That's the angle of the. the there's some kind of a cover up about it. Yeah. Because, and I know this is rabbit hole stuff right here, but it really wouldn't be that hard for some people to show up and say, "That's not what you saw." That's not what you saw. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to go tell people that you saw Bigfoot and they're going to tell you yeah. <laughs> everybody's going to call you crazy. And I'm sure that could happen sometimes. You just got to think there's got to be somebody out there, some park ranger or something out there. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it's uh, like I saw the I saw the thing like I hit it with my truck. I know what I saw. Well, there are those people. Yeah. And there are police officers and, you know, state troopers. And um, a lot of them are former. All of that. Mm-hmm. For a lot of reasons. And one of them is if you're a police officer and your commanding officer tells you no, or you say, yeah, I, I saw Bigfoot, they're like, well, dude, you can't be a cop and say, you saw Bigfoot. <laughs> sure. If yeah. they don't want you to. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there are plenty of places where they say, you know, park rangers or. On the more like volunteer side, that it's not that's oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's there, mm-hmm. and and I think there's more of those than you hear. That's probably it, for that, a variety of reasons. True. Yeah. For a variety of reasons, there's there's so much yanking of the chain, and people who want to get famous off of it, they want to do the hoaxing bit to. For whatever reason, if they're just like human trolls and they want to troll the world and, you know, make a costume and say that they killed it in Georgia and that they're going to carry it around and show it off and charge people money, which has happened. Mm-hmm. There's so much of that that it has, again, just uh, delegitimized the subject to the point of, again, getting back to the Nawak. The idea that it's just a freaking ape in the woods and nobody of science has spent any kind of time in one particular area over years to study it. Yeah. And one because of the funding or whatever. It just hasn't happened. It's always been... It's like for every hoaxer that there is, for every hoax that's proved to be bullsh, it, you know, it takes away the ability for someone to believe. Like they almost assume that, well, if you believe in Bigfoot, look at this guy. He said he had Bigfoot, but he didn't. So you don't know what you're talking about. Well, I I know that's bullsh too. I mean, you, you don't have to, he's not convincing me that he found this thing out in the woods or shot it or I shot a baby and then I buried it and then I went back and now look at it and yeah well and and you and you, it leads yourself to ask the question is if that happened to me if I was driving down some two lane road in Tyler and I hit something and if I didn't have a dead body laying right in front of me in the middle of the road if it if it ran if it limped off or if it fell off into the, in the woods somewhere what would I tell myself would I tell myself I just hit, even if I thought I saw it, would I tell myself I hit Bigfoot or would I tell myself I hit a, I hit a deer, I hit something else? Even if I thought legitimately I hit it, would I leave there and say, what would I do, go to Channel 5? 
and say I hit, I hit it, you know? So yeah. maybe, you know, I mean, that's, that does raise the question. It's like there, there may have, there may be a lot of that going on out there that people just either keep to themselves for one reason or another, or let themselves explain it away. Because again, if you don't have something sitting right there, what, uh, what are you really going to do? The way that I've listened to these people discuss it, they know that it exists, right? They know it. And then they see it and they can't believe it. Mm-hmm. That it's that shocking. The size, the speed, the similarities, just the fact that it's mostly bipedal and again i don't i mean i think there are probably cases when it drops down on all fours just like a gorilla mostly roams but again if you're talking about seeing something that's seven feet tall with shoulders three and a half to four foot in width and it's walking even if you know, even if you know it's there and you see it, it blows your mind. Yeah. So the idea that just some dude is driving through the woods and hits one or sees one or whatever, the idea that your mind is trying to deflect, you know, the reality of what you're seeing because yeah. there's no, you have no concept of, again, we're not, we're not in an area where, Oh, well, it's just an old silverback rolled through, and it's weird. I saw another gorilla, and he was walking on two legs. That that didn't happen. Yeah. You know, we we have bear, and they'll stand up. A grizzly bear will stand up on its two legs. It may stand up on its two legs and take a step or two. But if it's going to retreat, it drops down on all fours and runs. It makes no attempt at hiding. You know, they mm-hmm. don't sneak. Yeah, you know, bears are not sneaky. Um, I I think it blows so many ideas that we have about nature out of the water that I think it probably could be either written off or. But here's another thing. Okay, so you know the term uh, the boogeyman, right? Um, and in the South, we have the term a woolly booger. Mm-hmm. I think that these things have been in our consciousness a lot more than you know we may realize yeah again being from east texas my mom's never seen one or anything she's from natchez so deep east texas right and she'd just tell me straight up like there was a stretch of road that we walked to and from school terrified it's loud so loud bugs birds frogs Frogs are so loud. Those bullfrogs, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just that deafening, constant hum. Again, how many people are really like, oh, let's go directly into the woods here and see what's out there? Yeah. Aside from it being so scary, it's logistically impossible on a lot of in a lot of places unless you really go through and clear stuff and you're the forest. And nature can be really overpowering when you put your cell phone down and you get away from a computer and you get away from light pollution, mm-hmm. how dark 
the night is anyway, where you're relying on just the moon for light, and then you're in a canopy situation. It's black. Black is black as you can't see your hand in front of your face. Yeah. These are things that people... We don't look... We don't go towards... We, we don't take that seriously yeah. because who does that? There's a lot of people that go camping. Sure. And they go camp in areas where other people camp. I, I think I sent you the thing about the uh, missing 411. I think his name is David Pilates. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that it's about all the people that come up missing in that national forests. And he's not directly saying... Bigfoot stealing children in the, in the parks, but you have hikers and a lot of times in close proximity with other people and they come yeah. up and they're gone and they're gone and they don't find a body, which is mind blowing that you could be in Yosemite with a buddy hiking, whatever. You never see him again. Yeah. Before or after, <laughs> you know, he's just gone. I think there's a little bit of. I think a little bit of fantastical application to that. But again, it's one of those, uh, if every one of those cases is bullshit, but one, then there's something to it. But so when I was in Alaska and we drove there from Texas and we camped all the way, we fished salmon streams and ate the salmon. We drove up from here through the Dakotas into Edmonton, took a left, took the Alaskan Highway all the way into Anchorage, went south, down to the Kenai Peninsula, back up, down the coast, through Yellowstone, right? I saw bears. There were places like Hyder, Alaska, where you can go down, and there's kind of a viewing area where you can see black bear fishing. And then just as the sun goes down, there's a like silhouette figure on the river with a huge hump on his back, that's the grizzly bear. Mm-hmm. The park people are like, all right, folks, <laughs> it's time to go. Yeah. You know, uh, at one of these outposts up there, I bought this uh, Alaskan bear tails and then bought the second version like a few s- stops later because I was riveted by this. But it's interesting because, and as soon as I find it, I'll pull some of these stories that where they find camper or parts of camper or whatever. And so the story is just really kind of like what they know about the guy, but like kind of written like, well, here's probably what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, the dude flew in or, you know, plane, prop plane dropped him off. He hiked up into the bush, you know, three days he's supposed to meet back up or whatever. He has a bear, bear tag. And, you know, and then they find just mayhem or they don't find him, but they find his campsite. And I started thinking, what are the chances that some of those may not just be, oh, it's a big grizzly bear? Yeah. It's easy enough to explain out there that it's that yeah. it's just a bear, but it doesn't have to be. There's encounter stories from Alaska of people seeing bear panicked, never seen a grizzly bear run before, and then seeing why. Because mm-hmm. there's a upright humanoid ape figure standing in the tree line. <laughs> and that it was clearly, the bear didn't want any part of it. Yeah. And again, if you, uh, if you extrapolate the strength of a chimp to the size of a gorilla, 
That thing could fight a bear. <laughs> we'll fuck a bear up, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I really, um, I'm claiming, I really think they're going to get one. And if I could figure out a sane way to tell my wife, I want to join. Um, they have like a year trial kind of situation before you get allowed into the field. But yeah. it also says they make exceptions. I sent you that forums and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And again, I've talked to this guy, emailed, ended up the, the same dude who sent me that is this uh, Texas cryptid hunter. And on his blog, he has uh, this post where he went and gave like a, he talked to a group of kids in Dripping Springs, like a seventh or eighth graders, maybe a fourth grade class, gave a presentation about the North American wood ape to these kids. I think that's great. Yeah. I think they're going to pull one out of the woods. If not, if not this summer, Soon, I really do because the I listened yesterday. I went back and I listened to the uh, it wasn't even the Bigfoot show at this time. He did like five episodes called the Bigfoot Information Project, and one of them is at this Area X. And it's funny, it's all these same people, but they're talking about the camera traps, and none of them had had a sighting. There may have been a possible sighting or whatever. And then you take that and then you listen to from two years ago when it was still the Texas Bigfoot Research Conservancy. Mm-hmm. to then as soon as like November. And here's the other thing. They've been having their conference in Tyler all these years. I had no idea. I think it's going to be in Dallas. Uh Soon. I really do. Um, but the difference between listening to what they were talking about in 2008, 2009, and now, it's like totally different. Yeah. And again, it's a situation where it actually seems like science because they're collecting data and applying it, you know, um, from, again, tendencies to they've immersed themselves so much that they actually get activity. And I don't think that there's some, I'll show you, uh, I'll show you a couple of the pictures that they have released. Um, but as far as the video and everything, they know that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they come back with kick ass video footage. Yeah. They're, they're, Nobody will believe it. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. And and so I like the idea that they're, you know, yeah. here's what we've got. Their audio is really interesting. If you look at that monograph that they released from last summer, I mean, it's either, <laughs> they're either, again, they're either faking it or, or there's something there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, the... They will put, you know, mics out around the cabin. And they have a couple of cabins, and they're not cabins. They're like little shithole huts, you know. But um, there's one in particular where, I mean, you can hear, like, they sound like gorillas. Like the... Yeah. Um, like the, the chimp, the chimp, uh, what do they call it? The... 
you yeah. know, kind of thing. Like, uh, again, I think it's more, I think that's more fascinating than if somebody shows me a bunch of pictures of blob squatches, mm-hmm. you know. But it's interesting. One of the episodes of Finding Bigfoot that I thought was such bullsh, and that whole show is bullsh. Yeah. Let's just be honest. I love some of the people on there, and we even had Cliff yeah. on the morning show. Um, But there was one in New York, and it's of a baby Sasquatch in a tree, right? And I'm thinking when I saw it a few years ago, I'm like, come on. And now I think that that is completely legitimate. That could be something, yeah. Because the idea of them in trees has never been presented, at least not to the whole of the population. Mm -hmm. But it makes perfect sense. I mean, all the other ones do. You know, now, I don't know if, like, I don't know about silverbacks climbing trees, but Jabari climbed out of his enclosure. Yeah. So we went to the zoo the other day, the Dallas Zoo. We went with a really small group. We went with the, to a PKU thing there. We went to the, like, I'm, I'm like, I want to go look at the gorilla. <laughs> That's all I care about, right? And I'm taking my nice fancy camera. And, uh, you know, they have the area where you're like, the glass look in and nothing. And we were there like right around lunch. So the group kind of stopped to eat lunch. Our group it was like, Hey, I'm just going to go walk around for a minute. And I walked, uh, all back up into there. I think it's actually called like the gorilla trail or mm-hmm. whatever, where, you know, it's such a huge area that you could be at that little area that's off the pathway where it's, hey, you can walk in here and here's the glass enclosure. And then you end up walking up these steps and this whole wooden thing and there's birds and stuff around there. Right, yeah. But you can see down into it. And there's a bench up there. And I just sat down. And I was the only one there. It was you know, there'd be like a couple people that would walk by in strollers and they'd just kind of look, but just keep going. And I just sat there. And within like five minutes, I hear this. And just like if it was almost like this was happening just for me, there's a gorilla, a huge male, and he's got something like. I don't know if it was food or whatever. I couldn't tell. It was like big and green, but I couldn't tell what it was. But he's like running kind of on threes. Like he's got this thing in his hand and he's trushing through this brush that they have. And it's covering him from like shoulder up. And he's like running quickly, but looking over his shoulder back and he tears off. And then this other one comes up looking for him and can't find him and just kind of like ambles towards me and then drops down into the little like grotto that's, you know, the walls that they have. Now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they cannot escape now. <laughs> Hopefully. I don't know about silverbacks climbing trees, but Jabari climbed out of his enclosure. Yeah. I don't know if people understand that we had a gorilla <laughs> escape in the zoo. Jabari attack people? Uh, I don't know if he ever actually did attack people. Um, I don't. He may have chased people. I I don't know. I don't think he actually hurt anybody, though, that I can remember. 
So that was March of 2004. As I'm looking at here. That created such a uh, mental image in my head of like what it would be like to be just there on the walkway pushing a stroller and all of a sudden a A fucking gorilla jumps out is out yeah and is like again terror and mayhem and he's 300 pounds he hurt four people before he was shot Dallas Zoo officials say they can't explain how a 300-pound gorilla escaped from his enclosure, injuring four people before he was shot to death. Police evacuated an estimated 300 people from the zoo compound Thursday and killed Jabari, a 13-year-old male western lowland gorilla, after he charged at officers. Zoo workers, armed with tranquilizer guns, have pursued the animal through the forested jungles of the Wilds of Africa exhibit for about 40 minutes, but couldn't get a clear shot. Quote, it tried to charge two of our officers, so we had to shoot it, the deputy police chief said. You can imagine the pandemonium we had out here when he got loose. We felt terrible. We had to put this animal down. Okay, this next part of the story is, he has my son in his mouth. I'm not kidding. That's what's in bold above this next paragraph. The injured include a mother and her toddler son, Rivers Noah, three, was in fair condition at Children's Medical Center with multiple bites to his head and chest. His mother, Keisha Hurd, 26, who was bitten on the legs, and Cheryl Rickert, who suffered arm injuries, were treated at hospitals and released. Quote, I was like, this is not happening. This is so unreal because he just came out of nowhere. Heard said Friday to NBC's Today Show. I'm watching this gorilla. He has my son in his mouth. He's attacking him. And I tried to help him. And there wasn't really anything that I could do. He slings me back across the concrete area where we are. So it was really scary. (laughs) The fourth injured person, a child, was treated at the scene. Jabari was... In the award-winning Gorilla Conservation Area, two areas surrounded by a 16-foot concave wall before the attack around 5 p.m., some youths had reportedly teased Jabari shortly before. Quote, he had to have scaled the wall, said zoo director Rick Bukarud. But, quote, this habitat is among the best in the country. This blows our minds. Right? He said he did not know why zoo employees who were armed with pepper spray did not use it on the gorilla. Some zoo goers hid in the restaurant and the monorails surrounding the Wilds of Africa exhibit. The gorilla darted in and out of thick bamboo and trees before officers spotted him on a nature trail. He was holding a pair of white children's sandals when he came within 15 feet of the two officers who shot him. The 114-year-old zoo has been in financial straits, and the nonprofit Dallas Zoological Society re- recently proposed a county takeover. Jeez. In 1998, a zookeeper was injured by a 340-pound gorilla after a cage door was left open. The zookeeper suffered more than 30 puncture wounds, and the animal was captured with a tranquilizer dart. It's amazing no one was killed in that uh, Jabari escape. But you, I mean, the one thing that's that stood out to me is they they had to hunt him in the zoo. In the zoo, it took them forty minutes to figure out. So imagine trying to find something that's 
adapted to living in the in the forest. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so here I am watching these two gorillas again in this. I probably had 15 seconds. And I mean, believe me, like I was trying to get like I wanted to get great photos of these things. Right. Yeah. I've got my camera there out lens off and I'm sitting there waiting for an opportunity. This gorilla just running through the grass, yelling back at one that was chasing it and disappearing. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Did I take no. But the cool thing is when I was leaving, we were, I kind (laughs) of fell back behind the group as we were all walking out. And I knew the gorilla exhibit was there, and there's that area where it's like it's not the big glass enclosure where you can look, where you like walk in, and it's almost like a little hut there, you know. And then you can mm-hmm. see it, they have those a couple that are on the side that are like sit, little six foot windows that you can just kind of like walk in, you know, and just right there. Yeah. And uh, there are people, you know, we walk by that, but as we're walking up, I realize, wait a minute, we're we're going uphill here this is the exit of the wilds of africa thing goes i, I don't know if you remember at the dalzy you have to walk under that there's that huge like covered walkway right like when you're walking tunnel. into that area yeah. so we're walking up to go to that place and i realized that we're you know we're moving up and up there's a fence fence of bamboo right there while i walk over to it and on my tiptoes, I can see over the top of it, and there is that SOB laying on his back in this little rocky area where he's in the shade and nobody can see him. Like, if you were in the little glass area, there's, like, you can barely see something there. And yeah. I even heard a woman be like, what's he doing? So, at first, I held my camera up, just kind of trying to gauge, you know, how to shoot it. And... uh it's funny because a bunch of people automatically like see me looking over the fence and they're like, and I'm looking down upon them yeah. in disgust. <laughs> There's nothing I can do for you. You're not tall enough to see it. I don't know what to say, <laughs> but I got a, I got a couple of pretty cool shots of, I mean, like he was on his back, like with his feet up in the air, like resting against the, the rock wall. Mm-hmm. But it was a. Uh, I was fascinated by it because of this perception in my head now that that's all we're talking about, and maybe you know some slight genetic modification here or there. It's pretty cool. This is. But I thought about that Jabari thing. <laughs> that's amazing. I can't. Um, good job, producer Clint, for looking that story up again. 40 minutes they had to hunt him as he darted in and out of bamboo. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's what I think right now. I'm interested. I hope somebody I hope somebody gets back in touch. Well, I'm at least going to get you, uh, I think Mike is his name, because he was like, hey, if you don't hear from him, let me know again, you know? Yeah. Um. And he's got a really cool blog. Like, uh, he's got a big thing on there about, you know, like the Black Panther and, you know, cougars and that kind of stuff. And 
um, there's a, you know, they found, they found in Area X, they found these like, they found nut cracking stations, like rocks, big rocks with a mm-hmm. flat top that have like the, I don't know if they're, I want to say chestnuts, obviously they're not <laughs> whatever kind of nuts they are like crushed up and another rock laying on top of them. So I was doing that. I mean, you're either a human and you're in the woods and you're smashing those nuts and you're leaving that rock there or it's an ape. Yeah. It has to have hands. It's not, it's not a squirrel. (laughs) No. Breaking up nuts. And squirrels aren't throwing rock. I mean, it has to have hands. It has to have hands. And it would, and again, when it's something that every other ape species we can attribute it to. Yeah. What are we to deduce? That it's just all bullshit? I think a lot of times it's bullshit, but I don't think this thing is. The wood ape. The North American Wood Ape Conservancy. Visit them at woodape.org. They're getting all of this publicity, and we can't even get one of them to talk to us. <laughs> Their show is so popular. It's really funny. There's so much drama in the Bigfoot community. That uh, <laughs> that show that uh, it, it's it, like I think it was the most popular show on Blog Talk Radio, that Sasquatch Chronicles show. Yeah. So um, – Somebody just decided that maybe the guy who's been doing it with his brother was bullshitting about their story. And they went bananas on this guy to the point where the dude that was co-hosting it with him just was like, yo, I'm a, I'm an author. I have a reputation to protect. I'm out. The girl that was doing it with him was like, out. Yeah. It's fiercely protective of, of, of the truth. Everything. Yeah. If you do get on radio and you do say that, Something happened to you, and people believe you. It's a tough business if you lie. It's not a good. It's not a good place to. Right. If you if you know down the line, if you hope to uh, have any kind of credibility, but that's still a fascinating show, and I love the bit that they he totally sells it like they're <laughs> they're they're the marauding monsters that Colbert wanted the grizzly bears to be, you know. Also, look up the metal band Troglodyte. Amazing. Amazing stories of the wild. Wow. Talking the feet. Yeah. Yeah. Talking the uh, the wood ape. All right. Yep. Okay, talk.
fully awoken. Thank you.